podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. On a Thursday following Liverpool 1, West Ham United 0 in the Premier League at Anfield, the Reds putting together back-to-back Premier League wins, which is very, very nice considering how the season has gone so far. The Reds have climbed from 12th to the heady heights of 7th in the Premier League. And that itself is also very, very nice. We are now two points behind Newcastle with a game in hand, three points behind United, four behind Chelsea, who we play in our game in hand, seven behind Tottenham and Man City, and 11 points behind Arsenal. The title charge is not on. It's not on. Let's not even go down that route. It is just nice to see us winning some games and in quite an amusing little bit our league results show four wins four draws two defeats a 4-4-2 replicating the shape that Liverpool played last night Jurgen Klopp obviously made some changes you can listen to the analysis of the game on post-match raw hosted by Guy Drinkle in the absence of Trev Downey with analysis from Carl Matchett and Jim Boardman in the absence of myself and Harry Setti, uh, the Europa League squad getting ready for next season, getting to know each other. I don't want a Nottingham Forest situation where nobody knows each other. The lads getting the reps in early this year. Uh, if there is calls for a FA Cup or League Cup raw, I think Guy hosts them regardless, but you'll probably get some Carl, some Jim. Uh, I don't do domestic cups, as you all know, but Harry and Mo and whoever else will step in. I think Dave Horrocks has done a couple as well um, for the Cup. So good to see the lads getting a little bit of game time. Would have been nice to see a little bit more game time for Darwin Nunes last night. Uh, 57 minutes on the pitch, ran West Ham absolutely ragged, scored a brilliant header, nearly broke the post with a volley, had another volley tipped over by Fabianski, caused West Ham absolute nightmares. What a player this kid is going to be. If you've written him off, I'm sorry. Football just isn't the sport for you. 23 years of age with a really, really wide-ranging skill set and super high potential to develop in most areas. Last night, we saw good hold-up play, good link play. We saw his aerial ability. We saw his willingness to run the channels, run in behind. I think he's going to be the total package for us. He is going to score an awful lot of goals. 
And it's worth noting that of the five occasions in which he's played more than 30 minutes this season, he scored in three of those games. Uh, of course, did get sent off in one of the others, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, but Darwin is starting to to look settled and look at home and starting to find the target more frequently with his goals. So on to the next one. It is Nottingham Forest. We've just recorded Scouted for that Forest pod. There will, I'm sure, be a rivalry Kong with Mr. Setti and Guest, uh, as there always is, ahead of Premier League games. So do keep an eye for that one. This is Anfield. Plenty of post-match coverage. Do make sure to check all of that out. Uh, there's a couple of pieces on Allison, which are well worth your while giving a read. Uh, Darwin announces his, his Anfield arrival. Uh, sorry, his Liverpool arrival with first Anfield goal. Uh, good to see Curtis Jones back last night, getting some minutes. Great to see Ox back on the bench as well. Naby Keita can't be too far behind, given they were apparently on a similar time scale to return. So, you know, we're getting a few injuries, but we are getting a few players back. Ox, I think, can be important because not for Forrest, maybe not for Ajax, but I think in the coming weeks, we could see him start on the left of the midfield for a role that will suit him very well with Jota and Diaz being out. I think Ox is probably the next best thing we have at the club. Obviously, you'd need him to rediscover his old form, uh, which may be asking a bit too much after so many injuries and whatever else. But he's certainly an option there and would provide that kind of outlet and ball carrier that we require in that position based on how it's been thus far. Now, Carvalho plays it a little bit differently. He drifts a lot more central. Jones obviously would play it very differently as well. Um, but all things considered, I think we're going to be okay in that position. Um, Liverpool.com there's a piece about Darwin to to headline Jurgen Klopp may have just seen ideal transfer target as Liverpool should seek Luis Diaz repeat this is about Declan Rice Um, I'm sorry Declan Rice was awful for 60 minutes last night like genuinely poor until Thiago went off a complete non-factor in the game when Thiago went off, he played well for 30 minutes against a statue uh, that was sculpted to look like Fabinho. Um, but he was awful for an hour, so I, I, I just don't know why we should be throwing $100 million at a player like Declan Rice when that $100 million could get us Enzo Fernandez, who's a better all-round player, Half of it would get us Moises Caicedo, who's dog-walked Declan Rice in the two times they've come face-to-face. I, I just think we can do better than Declan Rice. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. He's a very good player, but he's never, ever a £100 million player. Declan Rice for £60 million? Sign me up. Sign me up, £60 million, absolutely. Ideal in the midfield, too. He could play with Thiago. He could play with Fabinho. But... Not in a three. Not as the six in a three. That's a nonsense idea based on people that don't watch Declan Rice play regularly. You play Rice as the six in a midfield three, you take away 
most of what makes him an excellent player and you get the sterile version that you see for England. It's notable that when he plays with Calvin Phillips for England, Phillips is the one that sits because Rice's best attributes are his ball carrying, his progression, his ability to break the lines and his ability to time runs into the box. You play him as a sitting six, takes away all of that and will emphasize the fact that positionally he gets caught out. He doesn't have great awareness of people coming behind to nick the ball. He can sometimes struggle with tracking runners. He's not great when faced with a runner from midfield. He hasn't got, he's young, it it may develop in time, but he hasn't got the best, I don't know whether it's body position, footwork, whatever. He doesn't shepherd runners into wide areas very well. He tends to commit to tackles that he really shouldn't be committing to. So he's a good player. Like I said, he's a very good player. He's just not a hundred million pound player. You want to see a hundred million pound midfield player. Look at the fellow we bought for 20 million from Bayern Munich. That's a hundred million pound footballer. Liverpool battle Bayern Munich for 44 million midfielder as Jurgen Klopp wants double free transfer. So I'm assuming, sorry, I'm assuming the midfielder is going to be Enzo Fernandez because that's who's in the picture. Let's see. Midfield battle, Enzo Fernandez, yes. Um, <clears throat> he does have a buyout clause that's over 100 million. I think he could probably work a deal like we did for Darwin, who we got for below his buyout. Um, Enzo is the one. This guy is absolutely everything you would want in a midfielder. For me, you go and get Caicedo in January, you get Enzo next summer, and you've got a midfield group of Thiago, Fabinho, Enzo, and Caicedo. You can play any two of them, and you've got a really good midfield. Henderson can be your fifth midfielder, can play in the Cups. It's about all he's good for at the moment. Played okay last night. Not Nothing to get excited about. Six out of ten performance, but all things considered, he should be the fifth midfielder next season if we're playing uh, a midfield two. If we're playing a midfield three, he should be the seventh midfielder, really, uh, and just play in the Cups and the odd appearance here. And then if he's not happy with that, then... On your bike, son. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I'm sure somebody would take you. I don't know who, but somebody in the Premier League might take you. Wouldn't be any of the top half clubs, but somebody lower down the division would take you. If you, if that's what you want, that's what you want. If you want to play more regularly, that's where you'll need to be. That should be the case, but, you know, Jürgen does Jürgen things. Um, also in this, uh, Liverpool in a battle to sign Conrad Lamer. 
I don't really buy that we are, to be honest. I think he's someone we have looked at. He is a good player. Uh, I just think he's going to end up at, at Bayern Munich. I, I just don't think anybody has any real doubts that that's where he's going. This one is interesting. Now, the source is garbage. The source is from Calcio Mercato, who are one of the bad outlets from Italy. But that Wilf Zaha would be keen on a move to Liverpool next summer when his contract expires. And I've never really been all that keen on the idea of us signing Wilf. But I do like Wilf as a player. I think in the last couple of years in particular, he's been really, really good for Crystal Palace. As a football fan, first and foremost, I would prefer if Wilf stayed at Palace for his whole career. He'll go down as the greatest Palace player ever. They'll build him a statue. He'll be a god there until the day he drops off the earth. And he can be a mentor for the likes of Eze and Elise and whoever else they bring in after. But when I think about this shape that we're playing right now, this 4-4-2, having Wilf as a backup slash competitor to Diaz on the left, that seems appealing. Having Wilf as someone that can also play through the middle in a front two, that seems really appealing, especially if Bobby leaves. So you could have Mo, Darwin, Jota and Wilf as options through the middle. And I think Diaz could play through the middle. And then you add Wilf to Diaz as options on the left. Carvalho can play there as well, obviously, as we know. That could be really interesting. And if he just wants to win trophies, play a role, I think I would be very much in favour of it. I never thought I would be because he's always been a little bit too individualistic for me, a little bit like Grealish. And I've always felt like he he needs to be the biggest fish in a smaller pond like Grealish. But the way he's evolved over the last couple of years and how more willing he is to lay a simple ball off to Eze or switch to play out to Elise and allow the game to run through them makes me think that as he matures and he becomes more in tune with the mental side of the game, maybe he is now ready to play for one of the bigger clubs and be more accepting of a role. I also think he would arrive at the club with a big chip on his shoulder because of how things went at United. You know that if we signed him, all United fans would be crowing about how he's a United reject and all that kind of stuff. But he could fairly quickly shut them up with some high-level performances. And Wilf as like the primary Bobby replacement in the four forwards and a backup to Diaz on the left, he'd get quite a few games. You could see him play with Mo, with Jota, or with Darwin through the middle. You could see him play left with two of them up front. I kind of, I've kind of talked myself into this over the last 24 hours. Now, I still have doubts that it would happen, 
but I could certainly get on board with it. And he would count, obviously, as a homegrown player as well. So there's no real downside to signing Wilf. I mean, age-wise, he's not ideal, but he's still in incredible shape physically. He hasn't lost any of his pace. He'll turn 30 in November, in just under three weeks. No, exactly three weeks. Exactly three weeks today, Wilf will turn 30. But I really do think he would make sense. I don't think he'd be looking for obscene wages. I think he'd come in on around what Bobby's on now, maybe even a little bit less. I can actually get fully on board with this idea. In fact, I I may already be fully on board with this idea. Because of his versatility, because of his game and how I think his game is going to age, like... The thing with Wilf is he doesn't necessarily rely on his pace. It's there when he needs it. And obviously, if he's playing left wing, he'd use it a bit more often. But with the way Palace have used him, he's much more about using his strength. He's ferociously strong. He might pound for pound be the strongest player in the Premier League. You'll never see Wilf Zaha bullied off the ball. He's got, as people like to say, he's got that dog in him. He's got incredible close control. He's really good as a one-time passer, which is something Bobby excels at. His hold of play is sensational. He's always been a good presser. He's always had a good work rate. I mean, you'd like to see more goals from him, but last season he did get 15 in 37 across all competitions, 14 and 33 in the Premier League, really not bad for a bottom half team playing as primarily a wide player. Five and nine already this season in the league. And you have to factor in for long parts of his career, he played under dinosaurs. I mean... Look at the type of manager that poor Wilf Zaha had to play under in his career. He came through at Palace. His first real season was 2010-11. The Crystal Palace manager at the time was Paul Hart and then George Burley. Then Dougie Friedman. Then Ian Holloway. Like These are not the type of managers that are going to get the best out of such a talent. He comes back to Palace in 14-15 and is confronted by, I believe, Neil Warnock, then Alan Pardew, then Sam Allardyce. He gets five games under Frank De Boer. Don't even think he played in all of them. And then it's Hodgie. Like, he's, he's just played under <laughs> under Dinosaurs. He's very fortunate he wasn't there for the 13-14 season or he would have had to put up with Tony Pulis as well. Imagine being a Palace fan. Pulis, Warnock, Pardew, Allardyce, Hodgson. (laughs) In, in, In five years, all of them men 
walked through the doors at your club to be announced as the new manager in five years. It's a good thing they're all mental Palace fans. They're all nuts. I've never met a Palace fan who wasn't like one step away from needing to be put in a facility. They're all crazy. It's why they create such an incredible atmosphere. Now, under Vieira, they're playing really nice football. They've got some lovely players there. I love Michael Elise. Absolutely love him. Every Chiesa is a joy to watch. Czech de Cure looks a real player in midfield, doesn't he? The two centre-backs are quality, Anderson and Guehi. The left-back is very good, Tariq Mitchell. Like, Odson Edwards good, Mateta's good. If you look at that Palace team, they could do it upgrading the goalkeeper. Now, they've got Sam Johnston, who they brought in in a free, but if he can't get in the team over Gaeta at this point, I'm kind of wondering if maybe they, they don't think much of me there, but they could do it upgrading the goalkeeper. They need a new right-back. It could have been Nathan Ferguson. Maybe it still could be if he can stay fit, but it doesn't appear like, you know, he, he's going to stay fit. There's no nothing to suggest he will. And they need one more in midfield. You know, they're three players away from having maybe the best team they've ever had. New keeper, new right back, Anderson Gwehi Mitchell, new midfielder, Dekure Eze, Olise Eduard Zaha. That could be a really good team. Not a team that's going to win the league, obviously, but a team that could potentially have a good run in both domestic cups, could potentially force their way into the Conference League conversation. And for, for for Palace, that would be, I mean, that's the same as us winning the league. It, these are just the respective levels. So part of me would love him to stay there and be part of that. And Eze and Elise to stay and all of them to just build towards having at least one season where Palace have this really good 11 that can go out and stand toe to toe with most of the league. And I think if he does that, like I said, he he will go down as their best ever player. They'll they would build a statue for for him if he stays there till the end of his career. But if he wants to go and win things, we make a lot of sense. We make a lot of sense, and he makes sense as well for us because of the positional flexibility, because of the the attributes, both technical and physical. And because we need to focus in on spending our money in other areas, such as two midfielders, potentially three, if Klopp goes back to 4-3-3, which I hope he doesn't, but he might. But Wilf still works in 4-3-3 really well because he can play in any of the three positions. You can play him as a false nine. You can play him either way. So if he's to leave, I hope it's to us. If he doesn't leave for us, I hope he stays there. That's where I am with Wilf Zaha. Because I know you've been wondering. (laughs) Right. Let's look at AnfieldIndex.com. There is an outstanding article up entitled The Good, The Bad and The Ugly from Liverpool versus Manchester City. I'm not sure if there's going to be one from West Ham. I'll I'll try and get it written today, but I just might be tight for time. 
Um, there is the Nina Kauser show from last night. There is a post-match Raw from last night. There is a new Under Pressure. Uh, young, young Mr. Tandon is back. Doesn't have time to do an old school with me. No, no, no. But he can make time to go under pressure. I mean, let him know, folks. Let him know he's letting you down. He's not giving the people what they want. But I will now give you what you want, and I will say goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.